Good morning. Welcome to Evangel. I invite you to stand as we worship this morning. And good morning to all those who are watching from home or wherever you are watching on the live stream. We welcome you as well. We're going to begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, Lord God. We offer up this time to you. We ask you to have your way. Please draw us closer to you. Lord God, we ask for your grace. Come Holy Spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. That you would bear my cross 
you've done for me all that you've done for me you've done for me Gives 
service this morning as well of all as all of you who are watching from wherever you are this morning online so glad to have you all with us a um, few announcements as you know the uh, provincial mask bylaw bylaw ends tomorrow March 21st so starting next week masks will be optional for those attending in-person services on Sundays the second reminder is that the annual business meeting is coming up next Sunday at 11.15 a.m. following the service. Now, the reports have been uh, emailed out uh, as of Friday, so you should be looking for that. Make sure you check your junk folder. Um, the three nominees for admin council are Carlos Casanova, Leslie Smith, and Zachary Simeo, and we'll be electing two of the three. Um, we're planning to have a water baptismal service for Palm Sunday if there are enough candidates that are interested in being baptized, or I should say if there are candidates. Please let us know as soon as possible, if you can, if you are interested in participating in that. Um, another one is that beck and call ministry. Some of you won't even remember what that is, but two, over two years ago, um, that ministry needed to kind of go on hold. But that ministry provides casseroles, um, a homemade casserole, to someone who is in need, perhaps, you know, after a hospital stay, after surgery, someone who's had a new baby. And we want to get that ministry back up and running. It's very much needed. So we've made it really easy for you. We provide you with one of two types of recipes so that there's just two things that we make. And we also provide you with the foil pan. So... Um, one thing that I want you to do is that after the service, I'd like you to see Susan Slauson. Susan, can you just wave over there? That's Susan. She's going to be out at the info center desk um, to take sign-ups for that. We need four people for each month to provide one of two casseroles. And um, she'll provide you with the tray as well. And the second thing that I'd really like your help with is that you would email me from now going forward if you know of somebody who could really use a meal. Because that's sometimes the thing. Sometimes we have the meals waiting and we don't have the connections. And that's really important because you've got your ear to the ground. You know, in all of your connection groups and all of your friends, you know who might need something. So those are the two things. And now Pastor Scott is coming with an important announcement. Okay. Well, good morning, everyone. 
So good to see you. I just have a quick announcement. First of all, thank you to all of you who have been investing in the lives of our student ministry uh, these past two years. Uh, Just a huge shout out to our leaders who have been so committed to this ministry, and we have good things, exciting things moving forward. But I just want to announce that in the next couple weeks, hopefully at the beginning of of April, if everything works out, we want to begin doing our community hot dog lunches for the students within our immediate uh, community, specifically those at Blake Lock school. We had this hot dog lunch running in the past, and now that restrictions have lightened, we're able to do it again. However, I do want to ask, if anyone is willing, we're going to be having it on Wednesday, uh, on Wednesdays every week during the lunch hour. And so if you want to help out in any way, we need people manning the barbecues, we need people serving food to students. If you want to uh, participate, if you're available, I would love to connect with you and get you uh, lined up to do that. As well, we're also asking for donations for hot dog supplies as well. So if you're willing to do that, that would be an amazing help for our students and for the ability to outreach to our community uh, as soon as we can. We're very excited to be able to do stuff like this, and we hope to partner with you in doing so. Thank you. Thanks, Scott. Um, Unfortunately, I have some sad news to share with you. Um, I just want to let you know that Tilly and Bill DeVries' son, Billy DeVries, passed away this last week, and his funeral will be held at Capriva Taylor Funeral Home on Saturday, March the 26th at 3 p.m. And of course, I'm sure you can call the office this week to um, uh, find that out again if you forget what time it is or want to know anything else. Please keep the family in your prayers at this time, very much needed. Kids, JK to grade five, it's time for you to be dismissed. If you can go around the back and exit uh, with your leaders, that would be great. Parents, don't forget to pick up your kids at the end of the service downstairs in the clubhouse. All right, thank you. That is all. Turn it back to Tyler.
Yeah. 
We obviously mean that, but, you know, if you were singing this alone, you'd think of your heart, your soul, you are welcome here. You know, come and fill me up. Every dark corner, I want no place left untouched. Come, Holy Spirit. And I know you might, maybe you're thinking, but I already have the Holy Spirit. Why am I asking him to come if I already have him? It's, it's this ongoing thing, you know, come again. Like, you're at the ocean, but the waves keep coming in, right? The tide keeps coming in. So you're, you're on the beach, and yes, we're, we're here with the ocean, but, but it can still come in a new way, right? And so it's this, this ongoing, continuous, every day, come Holy Spirit. What are you going to show me today, Holy Spirit? Come, Holy Spirit, I've got this new situation and I need your grace. That, that's what we're saying. It's not just a geographical come here. It's, it's come into each and every hour of my life. Come, Holy Spirit. But in order for him to move, we have to get out of the way. If there's sin in the way, there's an obstacle there. And he will help us with that, but we have to be willing. And so that's what this next song is about. Because we can say, come, and then he comes, but then we block him. Not all the time, but often we do. And then we wonder why our prayers aren't being answered. And sometimes it's because we need to wait, because his timing is perfect. But sometimes it's because we're getting in the way, or we're trying to act too soon, or... So this next song is called Surrender, where we just surrender everything to him. Show me what to do, Lord God. Come, Holy Spirit, change me. Change me. If there's anything blocking what you want to do in my life, because then when he changes us, then we can take that and, and move it outward. For the sake of you, my King, I'm giving you my dreams, I'm laying down my rights, I'm giving up my pride for the promise of new life, and I surrender
song I'm waiting at the cross And all the world holds dear I count it all as loss For the sake of knowing you The glory of your name To know the lasting joy Even sharing in your pain
please help us to surrender everything to you. Lord God, to give up our pride, to give up our, our own way that isn't the best way. We are not God. You are God. You are in control. You know what's best. And even though sometimes you allow things that are so, so difficult and we don't get it and it doesn't make sense, please help us to trust in you. That your timing is perfect and you know what you're doing and we just have to trust you. And and it's, it's going to make sense in the end. It's going to be good. And we're going to look back and go, wow, you are so amazing. You are so faithful. And you are Lord God and you are love. So we can trust you. So we lift this up to you. We ask for your grace and your mercy and your love. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please remain standing for the reading of God's word. Scripture today is found in John chapter 15, and we're going to be reading from verses 1 to 12. So if you have your Bibles, you can follow along, or it'll be on the screen as well. It says, I am the true grapevine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you, even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. Thank you, church. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team, for leading us this morning. Well, it is so good to see everyone today. Our message today is titled, Chasing Closeness. Chasing Closeness. And I don't know about you, but that's a word I have not heard in a very long time. Closeness. It's also a word that is, if you're like me, a little more than anxiety-inducing after two years of having to wear masks and being socially distant. In many ways, we have to relearn what it means to be close. But not too close. I don't want to get sneezed on in grocery store lineups, thanks. And I don't just mean physically close either in many ways. I also mean emotionally close. Closeness has been a pipe dream for many, of, for many of us as we have had to expand our personal bubbles as we kind of all wade through these pandemic-filled waters together. In contrast, as well, having a baby, having had a baby at the beginning of the pandemic uh, and seeing my daughter have a complete zero sense of personal space and us trying to teach her to keep her distance from people as a toddler because, man, those things are walking disease factories. Like, they just, they just touch everyone and everything, and then they want you to pick them up. They touch your face, and it, it's, it's a vivid picture, but it's, it's more vivid to have it happen to you as well. But with masks allowed to come off tomorrow, I found myself asking, 
what does it mean to be close? What does it mean to be close? And then applying that through my relationship with Jesus and how important it is to draw close to the Father. And out of a close relationship to the Father, we can learn to live in unity with one another. Because more than ever, unity is important as a church and as a people. And so that's how it came to be on my heart to speak from John chapter 15 this morning, because it is an important lesson on closeness with the Father. And if you're uh, taking notes this morning or you just want the cliff notes, the main point that I want us to understand today is that only by drawing close to Jesus and abiding in him can we learn to live a truly fruitful life. And over the course of our study this morning, we will learn the, about the, uh, the what, the why, and the how of living a fruitful life, what it is, why it's important, and how closeness with Jesus results in lives that are truly fruitful. And so our first point this morning is this, the results of closeness. The results of closeness. Our scripture this morning begins with arguably one of the most popular of Jesus' analogies. See, leading up to this text, he has been teaching about his status as, as the way, the truth, and the life, another very popular passage of scripture, and the work of the Holy Spirit. They had concluded their meeting in the upper room in Jerusalem where they celebrated the Passover. They were finishing their time there and about to make their way toward the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus would ultimately be betrayed. Undoubtedly, the disciples were anxious and confused as to what was about to happen. And so chapters 15 to 17 of John was calculated to calm uh, and to instruct and to strengthen the disciples. They needed some crucial preparation for the days that they would be facing ahead. And the symbol of the vine, it was, it was a familiar one in Jesus' day, undoubtedly one the disciples would recognize. See, adorned on top of the temple was a golden decorative vine. And further, God repeatedly used a vine as a symbol of his people in Scripture, but it was often used in a different sense than the one we read about this morning. See, both Isaiah and Jeremiah, for instance, speak on how God had planted Israel as a pure vine, expected to yield fruit, but instead turned wild. And other Old Testament prophets, and even Jesus himself, used the imagery of the vineyard in reference to God's judgment. But in Jesus' teaching here, the picture of the vine wasn't used in a negative way. In fact, Jesus likens himself to being the true vine. And of the many pictures of the relationship between God and his people, the vine and the branch picture emphasizes complete dependence and the need for constant connection or closeness. The branch depends on the vine even more than the sheep depends on the shepherd or, or the, the, the child depends on the father. See, as Jesus was about to depart from his disciples, this was an important encouragement that he would remain connected to them, remain united to them as truly as branches are connected to the main vine. Even though he wouldn't be with them physically, they would still be connected through him, to him rather through the work of the Holy Spirit. And so our passage this morning began right away with Jesus calling himself the true vine and God the Father being the gardener. He describes the work of the gardener in cutting and pruning the branches that uh, don't bear fruit and bear fruit, respectively. And I don't know if you've ever gardened before, but if you're anything like me, I struggle keeping the, even the easiest of houseplants alive. Seriously. It's, it's not out of a lack of care, though, because I tend to it as much as I know how. I just don't have a gardener's touch, I guess. But if you ever need someone to house, plant, to house sit your plants, 
I'm not your guy, but if you need someone to take care, take care of your house plants while you're away, then I am, I am your guy. See, Jesus' illustration depicts the relationship between us and God like the vine to the owner of the vineyard. The gardener tends to it. He waters it. He endeavors to cultivate and protect it so that it will produce the maximum amount of fruit possible. And he does it perfectly. He does it perfectly. The idea of pruning, in this sense, it has much more to do with cleaning in this context. Again, God as a God with the vine, that, or that the vine rather, is healthy and productive. And so pruning and pu- the pruning and purifying process here happens through the message of Jesus. The same idea of clean recalls Jesus' statement to the disciples when he washed their feet a few chapters earlier. In John chapter 13, verse 10, it says, And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. See, Jesus didn't equate clean with perfect, but rather with commitment that unites others to him, like, just like the branches are united to the vine. And the means by which pruning and cleaning is done is through his word. Through the teachings of Jesus and the word of God, it promotes growth. It promotes growth and is the means by which we can have a better understanding of who God is and his plans for us. So that's where the pruning process begins as a follower of Jesus. But there is another part of this analogy that is important to the development of our relationship with Jesus. It's from Jesus' words in verse 4, and I'm just going to read it over one last time. It says, Remain in me. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. See, this whole concept of chasing after closeness with God is so that we can experience that vital connection to the vine that allows our lives to bear good fruit. But when Jesus says, remain in me, he spoke this in a way that also indicated an aspect of choice on our part. Abiding was something that they, the disciples, and we as well must choose, and it's something that, as followers of Jesus, is imperative to our relationship with him. He is using language that demonstrates a choice on our part. We must decide to do things which expose ourselves to him and keep ourselves in contact with him. That means, or rather, this is what it means to abide in him. It's that vital union with Christ that only our closeness with him can create. In verse 4, Jesus also makes sure to emphasize a more vital relationship between the branch and the vine that represents us and Jesus. Jesus emphasizes here a mutual relationship. A mutual relationship. It isn't only that the disciple remains close to the teacher, but that the teacher remains close to to the disciple. See, Jesus used this picture to assure his disciples of continued connection and relationship, even though he was about to depart from them. It was a mutual dynamic that expects our life to be spiritually and practically in vital closeness with Jesus and that trusts him to remain close to us in an active and real way. See, closeness with the Father allows us to experience his closeness with us. Closeness with the Father allows us to experience his closeness with us and it is that vital dynamic that allows us to produce that result of good fruit in our lives. The promise that as we remain in him, he will always remain close to us is one that reassures us as believers or should reassure us as believers that as we place our trust in Jesus, it isn't going to be blind trust and it isn't going to be a one-sided relationship, but instead one that challenges us to grow alongside Jesus, 
one that challenges us to grow alongside him as our closeness with him initiates real, fruitful transformation. So our second point this morning, the importance of closeness. The importance of closeness. One of my uh, favorite things to do growing up was to go camping with my family. And my family had a spot in Morrisburg uh, that we would take uh, a couple days every summer or even uh, a week or two. And we would go up and camp together. And when we were at this campground, my dad would sometimes use the dirt roads and, and the paths that connected to different campsites and to the, to the washrooms there and even to a trampoline park because we had a really cool camp uh, to put me behind the wheel with him and uh, drive along at a slow pace. I would have my hands on the wheel with my dad, but it was only an, an illusion of driving. My dad was always the one in control. But little me was confused at the fact that if I were to sit in the driver's seat without my dad, I wouldn't be able to start the car on my own. None of the controls would respond to me. The wheels wouldn't turn. Uh, the lights and the radio wouldn't come on. I needed a key because without the key, I couldn't do anything with the car other than, you know, sit there. Actually, no, that's not true. I could honk the horn, and I did a lot. The campsite loved me after that. But without that key, I couldn't do anything worthwhile with our vehicle, anything worthwhile. And in this next section of our passage, we are told the importance of remaining close to Jesus. Closeness with Jesus is important because we can do nothing apart from him. Verse 5 says, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, but for apart from me, you can do nothing. And to clarify, this isn't saying that without Jesus, we can do literally nothing. It's not saying that we are literally useless, unable to do even the simplest of things. No, we, we see people are able to live their lives and make their own decisions. In the Bible, we even see the Pharisees and the enemies of Jesus were active without truly abiding in him. But whether or not what we do has real eternal value comes out of our closeness with Jesus. Apart from him, we can do nothing. And if you notice, there's been a progress from verse 2 of our passage up until now in verse 5. The process of growing to a point of spiritual abundance is only possible through Christ. And it's so important. It's so important to take stock of our relationship with Jesus in this context because it is possible to be in the vine without truly abiding in the vine. See, Jesus makes a clear distinction here between the two. And the reason being is that merely being close to the source of life is not enough. Neither is being intertwined with the other branches. Only branches that are truly connected to the vine and abide in him will bear fruit. In cultivating plants or gardens, planting the right kind of vine or tree is essential to get the right quality of fruit. No fruit can be better than the vine that produces it. Unless we as believers remain close to Jesus, the true vine, the quality of our fruit will not be up to par. There may be many branches, but if they are to bear the right kind of fruit, then they and, and we must abide in the vine. The ones who do not abide in the vine, Jesus says, are evident in comparison. The branches who don't bear fruit will not result in anything fruitful, like he says before. These branches don't abide in him, so they can't bear the right kind of fruit and will be gathered up and thrown away. But Jesus follows up a strong statement like that for those who don't draw close to him with an encouragement for the ones who do. And just turn your attention to verse 7 and 8 quickly. It says, But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. But when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory 
to my father. See, bearing fruit is the mark of a true disciple. Bearing fruit is the mark of a true disciple. Just as Jesus glorified God by his life and and obedience to the Father, the disciples would glorify God by theirs, and we glorify God by our fruit as well. See, fruitfulness is the mark of a true follower of Jesus. Friends, it's not about going to church once a week or volunteering here and there to fill our monthly quota. It's not. To abide in him is to truly desire to truly desire and to seek out continued connection with Jesus in all areas of our lives. And out of that consistent closeness, that constant abiding, our fruitfulness will be clear. Closeness with Jesus is important because we can do nothing apart from him. And so our third point this morning, the purpose of closeness. The purpose of closeness. At the house that, uh, that Esther and I live, there's a pear tree in our backyard, beautiful tree in the summertime. And every year when, when it's the right time, you can find our landlord stopping by to help pick the pears that are fully grown. We split the amount that we are able to grab, and it's usually enough to fill a bag or two. Like, there's a lot of pears that fall from this tree. And my favorite time of year is always pear picking season because pears are my favorite fruit. So I always find myself thanking God because if there was ever a sign that he loved me, is that he put me in a place with a pear tree in the backyard. But when you look at those trees or bushes that grow fruit, the branches don't live off of their own fruit. The branches don't grow the fruit for their own sustenance. The fruit eventually falls off or gets picked and goes to someone else. The fruit isn't for the tree's sake or the branch's sake. The fruit is for someone else. And likewise, in our closeness with God, In our relationship with Jesus, the fruit that grows out of abiding in him has a purpose. And that purpose is love. That purpose is love. He begins this section in our scripture by reminding the disciples that he loves them. Just like God the Father loves Jesus. Jesus deliberately loved his disciples according to the way God the Father loved him. And we know that Jesus loved his disciples by teaching them, protecting them guiding them, sacrificially serving them, and using his power and authority to do these things. The love of Jesus for his people is, it's so remarkable. It's so remarkable that this is the analogy or the illustration that Jesus must make here. He doesn't say, I love you as a mother loves her baby, or I love you the way a husband loves his wife. The only way he could paint this picture was to use the love of God for his son. Jesus' ministry has always been according to the will of God. What Jesus does, he does in loving obedience to the Father. Verse 19 of our scripture today says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. See, Jesus passes down the love of God the Father to us, and we ought to continue to transmit that love, much like how a branch transfers the life given to it from the vine. The means by which we do that is the same as it is for Christ. Obedience. When Jesus says to abide in my love, he doesn't only mean to rest securely in knowing that he loves us. He also means we are to actively live in the love that he gives us, and that requires us to obey his teachings. And out of obedience to his teachings, by remaining in his love for us, we will have his joy, as verse 11 highlights. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. But finally comes the most important verse to close off our passage of study this morning. 
in verse 12, Jesus repeats his command. Love each other. Love each other. And he repeats this knowing that the life he calls us to as a body of believers rests on our, on our attitude and our actions towards one another. And that they do so according to the measure and the quality of his love for us. See, unity instead of rivalry. Trust instead of suspicion. Humbleness instead of self-assertion. See, Jesus really cared that his followers love one another. He really cared. We are sent out into this world to love one another the way Jesus loves us. And yet, too often, we as believers find ourselves living as if we were sent in the world to compete with one another, dispute with one another, or even to call out someone else's mistakes or sins without first recognizing our own. And coming out of the other side of this pandemic, we have faced for the past two years, our opinions on certain matters have become so passionate and so polarized that we often forget what it means to love and to live in unity, both with Jesus and from the closeness of our relationship with him, with one another. But it's easy to read and interpret this direction from Jesus with discouragement. We know that Jesus was sinless, and we know that he was perfect. So when he commands us to love each other the way that he loves us, it's challenging. It's challenging. Worse, it can seem impossible at times. As people, we don't always feel happy thoughts towards others, right? I mean, I I can imagine I made some of you angry before, right? We don't always live with happy thoughts towards others. The thought that we are obligated to feel perfect, joyful affection towards others is daunting. But that's not the point Jesus is trying to make here. Of course, his conduct and his life is our goal. In fact, John chapter 13 verse 15 says, I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. As much as possible, we strive to respond to people in a Christ-like way, but Jesus is not demanding that we be perfect in our love for each other because we can't be. We aren't perfect people. Rather, our love needs to echo the character of Christ's love. And this involves two ideas. The first is that we should realize the love of Jesus, the love that Jesus speaks here, rather, is practical. We are called to act lovingly towards people, even when they may respond in ways that are opposite of our love, hostile or angry. When this evening of teaching began for Jesus and his disciples, he initiated it with an act of love. He washed the disciples' feet. And then secondly, we are meant to echo the nature of Christ's love. This means humility, means sacrifice, it means service. Our approach as believers should be characterized by those traits. The idea of laying down one's life for another stated in the immediate verse, chapter uh, John chapter 15, verse uh, 13, immediately after our passage this morning, demonstrates that our love is meant to be more consistent than a single good act. Rather, it's meant to be the pattern of our entire lives. I'd like to invite Tyler and the worship team back up as we move into our application. How we saw our passage this morning began with a very celebrated analogy that of the vine and the branches. We saw how Jesus uses this metaphor to explain how out of our closeness with him, the vine, our, the branches, spiritual development is drawn from his life. See, God's intent for you and I is to live a fruitful life. And out of that abundant, fruitful life comes an understanding of the love that we must practically demonstrate to those around us. But what does, what does fruitfulness look like? How are we to bear good fruit? As we discussed this morning, simple closeness with Jesus is not enough. 
Instead, it requires obedience to his teachings. And through our obedience, we will begin to see a change in our disposition and our attitudes and our actions. Galatians 5, 22 to 23 says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. See, being fruitful is not accomplished by checking off a to-do list, but having, but by having rather our entire essential being and character changed, renewed, and progressively transformed to be more like Jesus. Ultimately, our obedience not only leads to glory for God, but it's also the best thing for us. It's also the best thing for us. And part of that obedience that we are called to, phrased in no uncertain terms, is the call to treat one another with love. The call to treat one another with love. Unity with the vine bears fruit that will help us love and live in unity with others. If you are here this morning, I want you to be encouraged to chase after closeness with Jesus. As we read in our passage this morning, these words of Jesus were meant to inspire joy in the lives of the disciples, and it's meant to do the same in our lives today. This is the complete result of abiding in Jesus' love and our obedience flowing from that abiding relationship that our joy would overflow and our love for others would be consistent. Through closeness with Jesus, his life flows in and through you, and therefore you can have his joy. You can have his heart. You can have his love close with Jesus. And if you're wondering how it is you can practically draw close to him, well, we touched on it a little bit this morning, but I can elaborate here very quickly because it's oftentimes the same as any other relationship we have. If you don't spend time talking to a person, ignoring their words, not thinking about them, not doing anything together with them, then there's going to be that sense of separation from them. And the same is true as we live to abide in Jesus, to abide in him. We need to spend time with him. We need to listen and take in his words and his teachings. Our thoughts must be set on him and our actions must reflect his love for others. That's what it means to be close and that's what it means to abide in him. So as we close off our time today with one last moment of worship, I encourage you, church, to use this time practically. If you're here this morning and you feel like you are not as close with Jesus as you once were, or you're, not, or you're not as close to him as you know you could be, you can use this time available to you to reach out to him and take those steps towards abiding in the vine because Jesus wants to experience that closeness with you, church. It's not just us drawing close to him, it's him drawing close to us. He loves you so much, and so I invite you to stand with us as we sing one last song today.
Trust in you, Jesus, I trust. 